Okay, I'm going to move really quickly today, and I'm going to finish up the series entitled So Much Peace. I want to say to Bridge Youth today, if you will learn the principles I'm going to teach today and apply them to your lives, I promise you it'll make your adult life to come so much better than most people. We're going to talk about enforcing God's peace in our lives. And we've been in this study contrasting fear and peace. So much fear in our world today. So many people living in fear. And yet God has promised us so much peace. So we talked one week about how do we break that spirit of fear on our lives. Last week I talked a little bit about how to begin to maintain God's peace. And today I want to finish that thought. How do we maintain God's peace in our lives? I'm going to finish the series today. But in the middle of all of this fear, God says to us, I will keep you in peace. Perfect peace. Peace is not a lack of problems or conflict. The English dictionary says peace is the lack of conflict. But scripture says that the peace is not an, a lack of conflict. Peace is the presence of God in our lives, which brings all of his blessings and promises to us. Fear is the opposite of peace. Fear is faith believing in Satan's lies. Fear is expecting Satan's worst when God has promised us his best. Fear should be our enemy, not our companion. We've talked about this the last couple of sessions. But I want to begin today by saying this. By our human nature, we have weaknesses. All of us. Some are physical, some mental, some emotional. Sometimes we even have spiritual lack and spiritual weaknesses. And these weaknesses oftentimes open the door to the enemy. And that's where he tends to attack us in our weakest areas. So the question today is, what can I really expect from God? When I'm facing challenges, when I'm fighting fear, what can I really expect God to do? Look at Psalms 91. I'm going to read through these verses real quickly and break it into three sections and three thoughts to set up what we're going to talk about today. Okay? Psalms 91, verse number one. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What it says here is there is a place in God where we can live where God's protection comes upon us. Psalms calls it a secret place because many people never find that place. They don't know how to find that place, how to maintain that place of peace. We're going to talk about that today. Verse 2, the psalmist said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. When you're in this place with God, you can expect God to protect you. Number three, or verse number three. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Verse four. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Verse five. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. How many are afraid of the dark? Anybody afraid of the dark? One. First service, he had like five people. We're doing better this service. That's good. And you sleep in, you feel better about things, okay? <laughs> Verse 5, you shall not be afraid of the terror by day or nor of the arrow that flies by, by day, by night or by day. Verse 6, I'm trying to move fast, okay? Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the, the destruction that lays waste at noonday. So these first six verses tell us that I can choose... 
to live under God's protection. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you in the building have got insurance, some kind of insurance? You've got an insurance policy of some kind. Just about everybody, every family's got insurance. What does it cost you for that insurance? It costs a lot. I don't care what kind of insurance it is. It's expensive. But here's the point. Psalms 91 is the insurance policy for every believer. But we have to wrap our hearts around it and believe this is God's insurance policy for us. And the first thing you find in God's insurance policy, God says, there is a place in me where I will protect you. So run to me and let me take good care of you. How many of you are ready today to run to God and let him protect you from what's happening around us? I can let God become my protector. I can choose to live under God's protection. The beauty about this insurance policy is it doesn't cost you anything except your faith. Jesus has already paid for it. He's provided this protection. Now, look at the second thought here, verse number 7. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. See, the second thought here is no matter what's happening around us, God will still protect us. See, a lot of us are taught that whatever's happening around us is going to eventually catch up to us. Or everybody's got the flu, so I guess I'm next. Everybody I know had a car wreck, so I guess I'm next. Can I just tell you, don't start planning for the flu and for car wrecks. Plan for God to protect you and keep you safe. It goes on to say this in the next verse, verse 8. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9. Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Verse 10, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. How many of you would like to have God keep plagues away from your house? Okay, He said he would do it. It's part of his insurance policy. Verse 11, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Verse 12, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. See, God says you don't need to worry about what's going on and what's happening to everybody else around you. I've got insurance to cover you. I will keep you safe, and I will even dispatch my angels to bring protection around your house, your car, every place you go, and everything that you do. That's God's insurance promise. Then finally, the third thing, verse 13, God says, I'm going to give you victory in every battle that you face. Verse 13, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Because he said his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in times of trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation, my saving power. God says, I'll fight your battles for you. I'll see to it that you win the battles. This is God's insurance for us. Now, the question is, how do we enter into this insurance policy? How do we claim this coverage that God's promised us? Well, there are three things I'm going to show you today very quickly from Scripture. Number one, look at Romans chapter 12. The first thing we need to do to enter into this insurance policy is take control of our minds. Take control of our minds. Or let me make it very personal today. I need to take control of my mind. I say, well, how in the world do I do that? Okay, here we go. Romans chapter 12, 
verse 2. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To take control of our minds, I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to start saying wrong, say no to the wrong input and stop rehearsing all the lies of the enemy. Now let me take this verse, and if you would, keep that verse on the screen, Romans 12, 2. Just keep it up there for a moment because I want to refer to it. There are four things I want you to notice about this verse. First of all, Paul says, we've got to stop thinking as carnal, natural people. Now, please understand, we're in this world, we are physical beings, I understand that. We have natural processes, natural ways of thinking, I get it. What Paul is saying, though, is when we enter into a relationship with God, we become new creatures in Christ. We become the children of God. We begin to pick up all the rights that he's promised to us from the beginning. So God wants to move us from this place over here where we are limited by natural resources and he wants to move us to a place of blessing where he's involved in everything going on in our lives, where all of his promises are fulfilled. But Paul says, don't get stuck thinking over here. You've got to learn to think differently. You've got to stop thinking about natural things and you have to begin to start thinking about spiritual things which are the promises of God the things that God says he will do for you he says don't get stuck over here don't be conformed to the thinking of the world but the second thing he says is but be transformed be transformed be changed go from here over to here in the original writings when it talks about being transformed the original writings in the Greek really uses the word from which we get our word metamorphosis. Now, all the bridge youth will get this because they're in school, they're bright, and, and they're teenagers. They already know everything, so they, they'll get this, okay? But they know this. What's a metamorphosis? A metamorphosis is over here you've got a caterpillar, but when it goes through the metamorphosis, over here it becomes a... See, I told you they knew it. Now, how many of you parents knew that? Okay, that's what metamorphosis is. A perfect example, over here, it's a caterpillar. It crawls around with all these legs. It's fuzzy. It can't move fast. It doesn't go very far. Over here, it's this beautiful butterfly that goes everywhere it wants to go and just floats on the wind and just flies all around. Beautiful thing. God says you need to go through a transformation, a metamorphosis, where you stop living in this realm of being a caterpillar and you realize God's promises allow me to become a butterfly and experience good things and beautiful things and better things. There's a process involved here. And then the next thing he says is the key to this is we must renew our minds, which means we need to change our thinking patterns. And the word for renew our minds really is the word renovate. Have you ever renovated a house? It's not like redecorating. Renovating is like ripping out walls, ripping out dishwashers and appliances and counters and replacing everything and cabinets, making everything new, moving walls around, redesigning the house. What God is saying to us here is 
Over here, you have all these set ways of thinking, but in order to enter into my promises, there's some stuff that needs to be pulled out of your mind. you got to get some stuff out of the way that limits you, and you got to move that stuff around and let me put new stuff in so over here you can think differently. The reason so many of us live in fear is we live only thinking by natural means instead of thinking about what God has promised to do in your situation. We live in fear until we enter into the promise, then we begin to live in peace. It's a different way of thinking. Paul says we've got to renew our minds. We've got to renovate things and change our thinking patterns. And the fourth thing he says is if we can do this, and every believer can, if we can do this, we fall under that insurance policy we read earlier where we begin to walk out the perfect will of God for our lives. Well, what is God's will? God's will is his word. We begin to experience all the fullness of the promises of God's word. So we start, number one, by taking control of our minds. And how do we do that? We say no to the wrong input and move away from it and stop rehearsing, thinking about all the bad that could happen over here. Now what happens? What happens when you're really worried about something? Here's what you do. You think about it, oh, this is going on, this is just not good, it's not good. Well, this could happen right over here, or this could happen right over there, or this could happen here, or this could happen, oh my God, it could even get worse. This could happen right here, and this could happen. And then what do you do? You take a break for a few minutes, and you go back and start all over again. Well, this could happen, and then this. And you go through this for seven days, only to go to the doctor and find out it was nothing to start with. I did all that worrying for nothing. That's how the devil operates. He draws us into fear with natural thinking, Instead of allowing us to move over here and begin to think according to the promises and the expectations that God has for us. So we need to change the way we think. We need to say, wrong to the, say no to the wrong input and stop rehearsing it and going over it and over it and over it. Stop feeding your fears. Starve the fears and start feeding your spirit. You know, one aspect of the believer's journey, every believer, one aspect of it is learning to change our expectations to align with the God's word and break away from the limited expectations of the natural man. Every person has to go through that journey. Now, here's what's interesting about this wrong thinking. Most of us have had wrong thinking put into our minds. We've been indoctrinated with fear since we were little children. We, we learned it from mom and dad and family. Let me give you an example. Now, Bridge Youth, you probably won't get this because your mom and dad probably haven't done this to you. But let me tell you how, how previous generations have operated. Okay? Moms and dads, grandpas and grandmas. How many of you, when you were young, because I went through this stage, when you're, when you're young and you're a little kid, your mama says to you, okay, now, be sure and put on clean underwear in case you're in an accident and you have to go to the hospital. Because you don't want the doctors and the nurses and those people to see you in dirty underwear. Six years old, leave the house. Oh, my God, that could be in an accident. Oh, my God. Oh, I could end up in the hospital. Oh, but at least I got clean underwear on, you know. So this fear is poured into our life. And, and I got two things to say about that. Number one, we shouldn't run around with fears of things that are not real. We shouldn't live over here in this realm expecting horrible things. to happen. Don't leave home in the morning expecting to have an accident. I also heard, they say most, did you know most accidents, car accidents happen within five miles of home? 
heard one guy say, well, why don't people move? <laughs> Think about that. That's deep. I leave home in the morning, and I'm, oh, I'm, I just know I'm going to have a car wreck today. Why do we think that way? Well, I've been thinking that for 17 years. How many wrecks you had? None. Okay, it's time to move out of this realm. Now, the, the second thing I have to say about that is, you heard it from pastor, okay? You do need to clear un, cl wear clean underwear, but not for that reason, okay? So we want to say wrong, no to the wrong input. No to the wrong input. Now, look at Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 8. We've got two sections here of Philippians 4 we're going to look at. But look at verse 8. Philippians 4, verse 8. Paul says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue... And if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, remember what we said? Stop programming your mind with all the wrong stuff. And then Paul says, start programming your thinking with the right stuff. Over here, we don't want to keep rolling around rehearsing all the horrible things that might happen. Over here, we start meditating, which means to think upon and literally, it means to mumble, to mutter, to say over and over and over again the good things that God's promised to us. It's two contrasts, two lifestyles. Over here, it's rolling around in the fear. Over here, it's praising God and continually thanking God, confessing Him for the great plans He has for our lives. Stop programming with the negative. Start programming with the positive. Make up your mind, I am not going to keep dwelling on this. I'm going to start dwelling on what God says about me and what God says he will do. Now, having said that, we need to learn how to replace the enemy's lies with God's promises and God's truths. We need to get rid of that and replace it with this. Isaiah 26.3 says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God will keep us in peace when our minds are stayed upon him and his promises. But here's the key to this. We need to let God's promises become personal. Have you ever been reading God's word and, or you were reading in a book somewhere or you just saw it in passing? There was a promise and you read a promise and you thought, wow, I wonder who that's for. Or have you ever been reading it and you thought, wow, I wish God would do that for me. Did you know every promise in this book is for you? Say with me, it's for me. Every promise in this book, it's for me. But I need to take that personal. I need to say that's a promise given to me. We talked about it last week. It's been given to Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Everything that belongs him belongs to us. So I need to move out of that area and I need to move into this area and start proclaiming and filling my life with the good things of God because God will keep us in his peace if I will embrace the promises make them personal and move into them and possess them now one of the things that happens in, in church all the time I tell people you need to read your Bible you need to read the promises of God as a matter of fact when when somebody comes to me who's a new believer and they say where should I start reading well I'll point them to the Gospels to learn about Jesus I'll point them to specific places but oftentimes I will tell people, you need to get a little book or go online and find something, some tool similar 
It says God's promises. And you need to start reading all the promises that God has made to us as believers. You need to start filling your heart and your mind and your expectations with what God wants to do in your life. That builds your trust and your faith in him. It makes you strong when you realize God has good plans for you. We need to start with that. But here's the thing. People say, well, why do you... Why do you want people to read the Bible? Why are you constantly telling them, read the word, know the word, memorize the word? Because God wants to write his word, his promises on our hearts and on our minds. Because when his word is written on our hearts and our minds, it moves us from there over to here. And we begin to believe in the insurance that God has promised us. We have to change our thinking, get rid of the wrong move into the right, get rid of the lies, fill our minds with truth. And something else happens. As we begin to read God's word and meditate on it and speak God's word and think about it, faith begins to grow. Romans 10 tells us faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. All of a sudden it's like you're reading it and it jumps off the page and you realize, wow, this is alive and it's for me. That's exactly what God wants to do with his word. He wants it to be alive. He wants it to be personal for you. Because faith is in the DNA of God's word. It helps us rise to a new place of peace and overcome fear. And in the last part of this, we also need to choose to act on the truth, not on the lies. To act on the promises, not the fears. You know, so many people get up in the morning and they start acting immediately on fear. Stop acting on your fears and start acting on the promises of God. God's promises are either true or they're false. If they're true, they're the exact opposite of, and they're the antidote to Satan's lies. When I believe that God's promises are true, they become the foundation for everything I expect from God and they bring peace into my life. When I was a little kid, my grandmother was a very godly woman. She had a little promise box. You don't really see promise boxes anymore. Little plastic box, decorative box, and it had a lid. You open up the lid, and this thing is jammed full of little bitty cardboard colored pieces, and each one has a different scripture promise on it. And what my grandmother would do is she'd open that box every day. She'd pull out the card in the front. She'd read the promise. She'd thank God for it. She'd confess that promise, and then she'd put it in the very back of the box. And the next day, she had the next promise. And one day, I was at her house, and I saw it, and she was in the other room, and I was playing with it, and I dropped it, and all the promises fell out. So I start picking up all these colored cards, trying to put them in, and she comes in to see what I'm doing because she hears the noise. And she sees, I said, Grandma, I'm so sorry. I was just wanting to see what this was and read it. And she said, oh, no, that's my promise box. Those are promises of God. I said, well, they're all out of order. She said, no, don't worry about that. I already know all those promises. I just read them every day, one, one per day, to just keep reminding me of all that God's going to do in my life. You know what? We need to start filling our lives and our minds and our hearts with the promises of God and let him write his word on our minds and change our way of thinking. Number two... Some say, well, wow, one, number one, he just now finished one. We got two more points, but I'm going to move quickly, okay? These are much shorter points. Number two, we need to take control of our emotions. We need to take control of our emotions. Can we do that? Yes, absolutely. Well, how do we do it? Let's look at God's word. I told you Philippians 4. Now let's look at verse 6. Back up a few verses. Verse 6. 
Philippians 4, 6. Paul writes and says, be anxious for nothing. Now, pause here just a moment, because I want you to think about this with me. Be anxious for nothing. Literally, don't get uptight about stuff. Don't get nervous about things. Don't get all upside down about what's going on in your life. Don't worry and get into fear over these things. Well, it's easier said than done. I realize that. But Paul tells us, don't be anxious and get into a place of worry. Because it's amazing. When you get into a place of worry, it affects your health. Your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health. It affects everything. He says, don't worry about things. So what do we do? In everything, by prayer and supplication. Supplication is real serious prayer, okay? There's prayer and then there's really serious prayer. Okay, in everything, by prayer and really serious prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the next verse says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep our hearts, our minds, guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, let me talk to you about these verses for a minute. Everybody in this building has got emotions. It's a part of being human. We've all got emotions, and they are very, very real. The problem is our emotions will lie to us. They don't always tell us the truth. And the biggest reason is because our emotions are attached to our thinking process. You see, we are spirit, soul, and body. The soulish part of us is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's the soulish part of man. So what happens is the emotions get attached to our thinking process. So if our thinking process is bad, our emotions are going to be really uptight and really stirred up because we're worrying about things. If our thinking process is tied to the promises of God, we're not worrying about things. Here's what Paul says. If you're worried about things, talk to God about all of it. You may need to have a long, serious conversation with God about all of it. But talk to God about it. Lay it out and ask for what you need. And then the beauty, he says, is and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Let me illustrate it. The peace of God that surpasses natural thinking, all understanding, will keep our hearts and our minds and our emotions through Christ Jesus. Literally what it says in the original writings is he will guard, he will set a sentry over my mind, my will, my emotions, and the decisions I make for my future. God will protect it and cover it with peace if I'll be talking to God about those things. Why? Because when you talk to God about this stuff, God will move you from over here to over here. He will give you his promises and say, this is what I'm going to do. Trust me, let's walk this out together. So God wants to move us from that place of fear to a place of peace. And here's what I've learned. If I don't control my emotions, my emotions will control me. And my emotions will make me, cause me to make bad decisions if I don't get them under God's control. Let me talk a little further about this. I told you the story in, in the first session of this series about when I was 19, 20 years of age, something I went through, a real battle with the enemy. And how God broke a spirit of fear off of me. I'm not going to go back and retell the story. I referred to it last week also. But here's what I've learned through the years. 
I've learned that as a believer, a new creation, a born-again believer who's alive in the Spirit, based on the Word of God, I have authority over my emotions. People say, really? Yes. As a believer in Christ, you can take authority over your emotions. You can cause the spirit man to rise up and overwhelm the natural thinking that's between your ears. That's where the emotions are tied up. Let me just tell you what I've learned to do. A few days ago, you know, Ann and I are in the middle of a move and a bunch of personal stuff going on. It's all good, but you know, anytime you're moving, you sell a house and you're moving, you're looking for the new place, there's all these things that are happening. We've been dealing with a whole lot of stuff the last several days, and, and we went to sleep one night with a bunch of unanswered questions, things beyond our control. Early in the morning, early before daylight, I woke up and I started thinking about all this stuff, and really, I hadn't even thought a lot about it. I thought, ah, God's going to work this out. What we can't do, He will. I woke up early in the morning before daylight, and man, my, my stomach's starting to turn over. I'm starting to get knots in my stomach. I got butterflies. I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And finally, I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not going to get stuck over here with things I can't control. So I began to pray and talk to God about it. And then here's what I did. I've learned to do this through the years. You can do this. You have the right to do this. As I prayed, I said, I take authority over my soulish man, over my mind, my will, my emotions. I take authority over those emotions and I command you to settle down in the name of Jesus. I am not going to believe lies. I'm going to believe the promises of God. This is not going to hurt us. This is going to bless us. This is not going to destroy us. This is going to put us in a better place. I begin to quote the word of God and I begin to demand that those emotions settle down. And I promise you, when you start doing that, you stay with it for two or three minutes and maybe five minutes. You begin to confess the promises of God and begin to praise God and say, God, I trust you. And in a matter of a few, few short minutes, everything begins to settle down. Why? Because the spirit man rises up and puts the soulish man in his place. You can do this at home. On TV, don't try this at home. I'm telling you, try this at home. Try it in the car. Try it with your husband. He needs it, okay? Try it with your wife. She might need it, all right? Come on, you're supposed to laugh at that. It's supposed to be funny. <laughs> the point is, you've got authority over your emotions. Use that authority. And then the last thing, very short thought. Number three, after we take authority over our mind and, and, and take control of our mind, after we take control of our emotions, the third thing we need to do is we need to learn to make good decisions based on the peace of God. Now let me show this to you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says this. Let, everybody say let. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts the word rule here literally means umpire let the peace of god umpire in your hearts to which also you were called in one body god's called us to peace and be thankful one of the greatest sources of turmoil in our lives is when we have to make decisions especially important decisions sometimes decisions are tough Sometimes there's not a clear answer to what we need to do. One of the things I've learned through the years is that, you know, I always get all the wisdom I can when I'm making decisions. I try to get understanding of the situation. But when it's not clear what I'm supposed to do, I always pray over matters and I ask God to guide me. 
And normally the way God will lead us in these situations is by his peace. Because you can look at your options and say, okay, God, should I do this? I'm going to walk this way. And if it's like, you need to back up and think about it. What, what if I do this? Well, what if I do this? And it's like, We need to let God help us make our decisions. And he's established his peace in us to help us make decisions. Here's the funny thing. Sometimes God's peace and that, that answer, that decision, that's not always what we want. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. I want the new Corvette. I mean, I believe with Pastor Gary for the new Corvette. I want the new Corvette. <laughs> not, not till the new rear engine vet comes out, okay? But... I want the new vet. Oh, oh I got to find one. I got the vet. And I love my vet until the first payment comes due. Then I don't love my vet so much. <laughs> See, I, I can talk myself into believing God wants this. The truth of the matter is God will guide us by his peace. And I'm going to tell you something. Please hear me today. This is as practical as it gets when it comes to God's peace. Most of us, the biggest problems we have in life are a result of poor decision making. Not everything, but most of, our major most of our major problems come about because of poor decision making. Because we either didn't get wisdom, we didn't get enough knowledge, we didn't read the fine print, or we didn't follow God's peace. God's peace will guard our hearts. If that guard gets pulled away and your heart's not at peace, you need to stop and pray and ask God, what direction do I go from here? I have a cousin that I'm pretty close to several years ago he was going through a tough time and he's you know he believes in God he got faith in Jesus but he's just not really a church going guy he wasn't raised going to church and really doesn't go to church and one day we were talking and he's in the middle of a big crisis going through some stuff and he says how do I know how to navigate this how do I make decisions so I talked with him about this passage of scripture and I said you know what if you'll pray about these things then ask God to give you peace in one direction or another, and then follow God's peace, you'll make the right decision. Several days later, I went to visit him, and I walked into his room, and there on his mirror, in his, in his bedroom, on his bedroom mirror, he's got written with magic marker or something. It says, follow the peace. Let me tell you something. When you're making decisions, get your information straight, and then follow God's peace. Make good decisions. Last thing. I want to read to you a verse of scripture. I want to have it on the screen. 1 John chapter 4. I want you to see what these verses say. Starting at verse number 17. 1 John 4, 17 says, Love has been perfected. Literally means completed. When love is at its completion. Love has been completed among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That means we stand in the presence of God and have no fear. We have boldness. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus was perfect, we're perfect in the sight of God because of Jesus. That's where peace begins. But the next verse says this. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. God's love. There's no fear in love. But perfect, completed love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you're living in fear, God's love hasn't finished its process in your life. He's still got work to do. 
he still wants to finish that work. And then the next verse, very familiar, I love the next verse. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. He put Jesus on a cross. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before he started anything, he knew Jesus was going to the cross to pay for our sins, to bring us into relationship with him. I love God today, but he first loved me. I want to pray two prayers in closing today. I want to pray a prayer for everybody here. So if you would, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for your peace today. Father, first of all, today I break a spirit of fear off of any person who's here today. I come against that spirit. I tell it to be quiet, to leave them alone. Father, I speak peace into people's lives in the name of Jesus. All over this room, nothing but peace. Speak peace into people's hearts, Father. And then, God, I pray today that the things we've heard, the things we've learned, take control of my mind, take control of my emotions, and make decisions by the peace of God. Father, help us to learn from these principles today and bury them deep in our hearts and let them begin to rule our lives and lead us as we move forward in you. Father, all these scriptures we looked at today, all of your word, let it just live inside of us. Let us be reminded of it from time to time by your spirit. We not live in fear, but we learn to live in your peace, which is rightfully ours. While heads are still bowed and eyes are closed, I want to pray one more prayer, but please just reverence this moment if you would. Nobody moving, if at all possible. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're not really in relationship with God. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you're not walking with God. Or, or maybe you, you once had accepted the Lord, but you're kind of the prodigal. You've been far away and you, you just kind of neglected it. And you're realizing today, I need to do something about this. If you're sitting here today and you're not in relationship with God, but something's tugging on the inside of you saying, this is right, you need to respond to this. That's the Spirit of God saying, I love you and I want to bring you into my family. God's extending grace to you today. God wants to change everything. He wants to wipe away your past and give you a future greater than you've ever imagined. But that grace is no good unless we accept it by faith. It means nothing unless I embrace it and say, I want this in my life. The way we start this relationship with God is through an invitation, through words, through prayer, saying, God, I need you in my life. I receive you today. We don't have to have all the answers and figure everything out from the beginning. All we have to do is start this journey of faith, begin it today, and say, God, come into my life. I want to lead you in that prayer right now and give every person in this place an opportunity to open their heart to the Lord. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this prayer with me right out loud. You don't have to scream it, but speak these words out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. Fill me with your goodness. Change everything. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to follow you. I want to know you. From this moment forward, you will be my Father. I will be your child. Teach me your ways. Fill my life with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today,